Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. The goal of the Mosaic Life Podcast is to explore happiness and what it means to us as individuals and why so many of us chase it, and yet we never seem to find it. If you find a value in this particular episode or in the podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate your support, which you can lend in a number of different ways. First of which, if you're on the Apple platform, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps others just like yourselves discover the content created here. Also, if you visit the mosaiclifepodcast.com, you can sign up to join the Mosaic Life Circle newsletter. It's a once or twice weekly newsletter that delivers podcast content straight to your inboxes from new episodes to contest announcements to article releases. It's your best way to stay connected with the Mosaic Life Podcast. Also, if you sign up for the Mosaic Life Podcast Circle newsletter this month, you will be entered to win a Mosaic Life Podcast t-shirt. You can get started by signing up at themosaiclifepodcast.com. My guest today is an example of why I so strongly value building relationships, both in my business as well as part of this podcast. It's also a perfect example of how small the world can be and why serving others first is your best path to personal and professional growth. Despite having a bachelor's degree in marine biology, working in tech support and government contracting roles, and not getting his first official sales job until age 27, Jason Cutter founded the Cutter Consulting Group with a focus on coaching and training individuals and being hired by companies around the world who want to dramatically improve their selling effectiveness. He is the author of Selling with Authentic Persuasion, Transform from Order Taker to Quota Breaker, and host of the Authentic Persuasion Show podcast. Right off the bat, Jason and I discussed the multiple avenues by which we were connected, and it's not hard to see why he has found so much success in his life and career. Jason may make his living helping organizations with their sales processes, but I think he'll be the first to admit it's been the work he's done helping others get what they want that has led him to finding his fulfillment. Even outside of business, while happiness may be a personal pursuit, I've gotten into the habit of asking myself if what I'm about to say or do will affect the happiness of others around me. If I'm going to critique someone, is it going to help them do better? Or is it going to make them feel as if I'm tearing them down? And there's an important distinction there, and it's generally why I refuse to engage in online conversation that has an opportunity to be misconstrued. Agree with someone or not, building others up is our best path toward contributing to the well-being of not just others, but ourselves as well. Which I think is a big theme of the conversation you're about to hear. Please welcome my guest, my friend, Jason Cutter. Hosted by Trey Kaufman. Hosted by Trey Kaufman. How's it going? It's going great, man. How about you? I'm doing well. How, uh, how's your Friday? Uh, it's good. Um, yeah, uh, just working on lots of stuff, kind of in, in various modes today, plus 
heading out of town for the weekend. Uh, not that that means I won't be working on right. stuff, but uh, working on getting what I can done today. Uh, my girlfriend's family has a house uh, near the beach. So I, I live nice. in Northern California about, it's a 30 to 45 minute drive from the coast and they have a house there. And so when it's not being used, we'll go. Um, I think we're going to stay till Monday since uh, Sunday's Valentine's day. Yeah. It's one of those things where like when you use the house, you have to clean it before you right. go. So it's like cleaning everything, doing the laundry, washing the sheets, cleaning. The, it's like a, it, it becomes this task. So yeah. it's like, you don't want to just go for one night because then it's, a, you spend the second day just cleaning. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, that'll be fun. So just uh, working on getting stuff done you know, getting things lined up and then. That's awesome. Well, I have so, to ask, are you yeah. sure you want to stay in California when you can come to Columbus, Ohio, where the high is like 28 for the next three weeks? You know, I, uh, so funny enough, I had a client, I have a client and in December they were going to have me come to their office in Cleveland oh. and I've never been to Ohio. <laughs> I actually have, uh, I have a bunch of LinkedIn pandemic friends that I've made yeah. that I want to visit in Ohio um, and, uh, I was like, okay, I was like going to be in the twenties and thirties that week. I was supposed to be there. We canceled it at the last minute. Yeah. Everyone, nobody wanted to come into the office for the training I was going to do. And so we decided to do it from home, but Hey, I'm down. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up in the Bay area in California and then, uh, moved up and down the coast a little bit. But, uh, at one point I lived in Eastern Washington, which is high desert. And, um, you know, in the winter it would snow probably, you know, on the ground would be anywhere from two to three feet of snow yeah. throughout the winter. Um, cause it's high desert. And then the summer would be, you know, hundred, 110. So I like that. I mean, I I'm down with, it. I don't, I don't mind seasons and, and stuff yeah. like that at all. It's nice. And it, I will tell you, I mean, even I'm separated in here in Columbus about by about two hours from Cleveland and the lake has such a tremendous effect on the climate in Cleveland. It's night and day difference between what they get up there and we, what we get down here. So, but I will say if you want to come out and visit, I'd recommend <laughs> spring or fall. They're both beautiful times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because what I wanted to do in the pandemic obviously messed this up, but I had envisioned like I want to go to Ohio and yeah. I just want to make a road trip out of it because I have people in Cleveland, Columbus, yes. Cincinnati, and just make that trek through the middle of the state and a state that I've never been in. I haven't been most places. So yeah, uh, yeah spring or summer, no pandemic, uh, road trip, just visiting lots of people Perfect. exploring the state. That's definitely that's definitely on my list. There's a, uh, Yeah, it'd be so fun. That sounds great. Well, you're absolutely welcome here. And it seems... It seems like the universe wants us to to talk because in, the, in like a two week period we've we've seen each other multiple times, which is it's fantastic. I, I've yep. loved the opportunity to get to connect with you, but obviously, um, well, Matt Ward connected us, and then uh, Frank Egan, obviously uh, another great individual. He hosts his uh, his uh, monthly networking events, and uh, it was just it's it's yep. great to be referred to tremendous people and I, I think that's you know kind of the the lesson that's told in the in that event that we were at uh, the other night yeah for sure yeah and i've, I've always yeah, yeah. I, I what's what's been great with this podcast you just I, I get to talk with all these incredible people and then i have not and it's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse i have not had to go out of my way to to find other guests i just keep getting great referrals here and it's been so it really speaks to the power of you know, the way you treat the people within your circle, if you treat them well, yeah. they will give back to you. And that, I, I think that's a lesson in your in your book as well. And it's just, it's just a very, 
it means a lot. And I don't think a lot of people realize that as they're coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously if you can attract it and you don't have to do much work outside of just networking and building relationships or you have been, and then you turn on something like a podcast yeah. with, you know, a circle of people and then you just keep expanding and people know people and you're just attracting that in. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, I'll say, how do I say this? That's way more fun than I did it. Uh, way more easier. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I started my podcast with nothing and almost no network. And actually, you know, the first bunch of guests I had, it was just because I networked somewhat. Sure. Um, and then over time, I've gotten to that point where people, people send me guests I really don't want. So I've gotten good <laughs> at saying no or, that's um, good. you know, kind of redirecting things. Yeah. Uh, for a while there, I just took on all guests and now I don't. Um, what was, you know, what was your so. experience with that? You know, obviously when you're at a point where you want to grow, but the person and, and you take, you know, whoever is referred to you and you kind of, you know, you have them on kind of as a, as a, as a benefit to them and benefit to you. I mean, have you had bad experiences in that regard? Just like, this is not a good fit or have you kind of suffered through it? Um, not really. I mean, there was only one, and we'll use air quotes, bad experience sure. that I've had uh, with a guest on the podcast. And it was because he, uh, and it was actually my first time dealing with, I call them podcast handlers, um, yeah. people yes. who you know are paid to get people on other podcasts yeah. for promotional purposes. Um, and so I didn't know what a handler was. I didn't realize that was a thing. And so uh, I had this guy on my show. He's a cool guy, except he had a book that he was promoting. Right. And um, throughout the interview, no matter what I asked, I feel like, because I didn't do video at the time, so I didn't see him, yeah. but I feel like no, he was a politician where no matter what I asked, he would divert it back to yeah. his three by five card talking points <laughs> about his book and his agenda. Right. Yeah. Like it just, it's like, no matter what I asked. And I was just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like it's a good book, but just like, I want a free flowing conversation. I yes. don't want to like an agenda. Yeah. Uh, I'm terrible at that. And so it's only happened to me once. Um, I've, I, I don't ever like tell people not to do that. I just right. have attracted and, and just make it clear. Like this is just going to be a conversation and I'm yeah. willing to promote the crap out of people for sure uh, during or after. Um, but yeah, so, so generally that's not, I mean, I've had some people on the show where it's like, you know, it's not, it, it's kind of a stretch, but you know, I can always figure out how it has to do with sales or life or some yeah. interesting stories. And then, um, you know, a lot of, especially recently, there's been some guests that I take on that are, favors for the person asking because i want that relationship yeah. um and i'm like okay uh, you know this is willing uh, worth a shot you know some some for example a podcast handler who is part of an organization run by a guy who i wanted the relationship with because sure. he's uh, we'll say famous and so he ended up coming on my show and then they've sent me other people and it's like you know anybody they send me if it's within the realm i'm going to take it because yeah. Uh, I want to stack chips in that relationship. Absolutely. So, and I get to meet some interesting people. Like I have yes. somebody coming on the podcast. We're recording in a few weeks. And the guy is like a dentist who had dentist shops and then created this other thing and invented this other thing. Now wrote a book about this thing and helps businesses and people in life. It's like not normally my kind of guest, but fascinating. And uh, I'm sure we'll have fun. I right? yeah. can always have fun. 
For sure. And I think if you go into, I'm, I'm with you. I like having free flowing conversations, you know, at, at times leading up to a podcast, I, I will get nervous. Like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? But I'm with you. I don't like that agenda, uh, setting an agenda and asking question after question after question. What I love is being open-minded and learn, knowing that no matter what, no matter how Whatever the however the podcast turns out, I'm going to learn something new, and hopefully the audience will as well. So I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in that regard. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So why um so you don't do video? I I know I heard one of yours recently where you did record the video. Yeah. So right? yeah, there's that, some that you do, some that you don't. No. So that's that's actually super interesting. Um, no, I don't do video. Uh, <laughs> video is a, a step that uh, would consume a lot more of my time, which is fine. I know there's a yeah. lot of value in video. I, I had, we, had, we had video on one conversation. It was with Nathaniel, and I'm gonna butcher his last name. Uh, he's from Switzerland, Zuberig, I believe it is. And he, his story is incredible. Uh, he's gone through so many health and wellness issues. I know he's waiting for a kidney at this very moment Ooh. to continue surviving. He's also hard of hearing, and so, to his absolute credit, to be able to do a podcast across the entire freaking world, he wanted to be able to see my mouth so he could uh, associate the the movements of my lips with what I'm what he's hearing me what he thinks he's hearing me say, which is just incredible. And yeah. it, it was a really cool story. Huh? Yeah. Love it. Yeah, but no, so, I. So why this platform that you're using then? This this uh, any meeting? Uh you like it? <laughs> that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I have I have so as part of my my day to day business, I have a desk phone because my cell phone speaker uh, had headpiece. It I cannot hear very well out of it, so I ended up getting a desk phone for my business. It's a separate phone number, okay. and along with it came a subscription to any meeting. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna uh, pay for Zoom and any meeting. So yeah, that's me being cheap. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, but I mean, it's it seemed to work. Um, yeah. So you you do you do a video as well? Um, I do. So I'm bad at using the video, but I record the video. That's and good. One of the reasons I found early on I wasn't doing it, and then I started doing it, and then I made an exception a couple of times for a guest that didn't have video on or yeah. didn't want to be on the video. Um, and I found even just for myself, the video and the camera being on made for a better engaging conversation because it, it really holds me accountable to not being distracted or trying to multitask yeah. in the middle of the conversation um, and open up browsers or search things and kind of sure. half listening. Um, and I found the conversations be better. And my goal is to use them. If you keep in mind, like just season four for me, which is about to end uh, next week. Uh, I will have had 46 guests on that season That's awesome. and my conversations are 45 minutes to an hour. So however many minutes of video that works out to be, it's just a shit ton. Yeah. Plus this is my fourth season. So, uh, I have season two and season three, I think have all videos that I haven't used. Um, it's just at this point, it's overwhelming and daunting, like where you even start. And I'm not a video guy. And so I'm actually working on a video intern. I have a marketing person helping me. I'm going to outsource some of it. And I'm just going to start dropping yeah, that's like clips, yes. short, shorter, like eight to 10 to 12 minute um, kind of sound bites of an episode with really good value. Yeah. Um, like start dropping those every day on YouTube because most people, and I don't have the following that's going to sit through an hour long video. Yeah. Um, 
which I understand. Um, and so, you know, shorter ones start building the following, the subscribers, the views, it's, start uh, building that machine. Absolutely. Uh, Cause that's, you know, it's good for brand and it's also good for revenue. So it's, uh, yeah, so, that's, that's what I'm doing. It's so interesting. You, you say that today because I, um, I need to tell, I, well, I need to share this platform with you. I'm on this uh, website called lunch club where I get connected with one or two people from across yep. the country. Are you familiar? I've heard of it. Yeah. I've never used it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. It's, it's a great platform. I would highly recommend it. I've met some incredibly interesting people on it. And, uh, earlier this afternoon, I was talking with a guy out of New York and we were just talking about podcasting and he brought up that exact same point. We were talking about Joe Rogan and how he still has his clips on YouTube. And I, I think to myself, you know, all the time, I, I just found out that Elon Musk was on his podcast again for the third time yep. this week because of YouTube. And while that's not counting toward his Spotify download count, it's making me aware that, hey, there's something I'm extremely interested in. I need to go check out that that particular episode. So I'm with you. And I think I'm going to start doing the same. And it's I did the same thing last night. I didn't realize he was on either. And I ended up watching two seven minute videos, yes. uh, you know, clips of that. So there's also a, a ton of revenue yeah. because he's, he's making tons of money on the ad revenue. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, it was great because I saw that same thing last night for the first time where he said at the end, black screen, just voiceover, yes. where he's like, hey, catch these on Spotify. Spotify is totally free. There's no cost. There's no subscription. Just go find it. Yeah. Get Spotify. Right. Like like just funneling people there. And that's what you do, like making a, a ton of money on on ad revenue on YouTube yeah. and then also feeding it into other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes a while. You know, that's, I have a coach who's just like, it'll take you 12 to 18 months, but just start doing it. You have the videos. I mean, think I have probably a hundred to 120, 45 minute videos laying that's around awesome. plus 400 episodes. Friday will be 400 podcasts. If I take all the solo episodes I've done and just do a picture or someone yeah. do one of those whiteboard drawings as I'm talking, right? Yeah. Some, so you know, you can get the the program that'll do it and outsource it to somebody in India to take it and then literally do a whiteboard video over my audio only podcasts, my solo episodes, and then post those. I mean, I'm I'm set for days. Yeah, like days. So. Yeah. All right, you're starting to. My list this year. You're starting to uh, bring me around on video. I, I I may need to consider that avenue. And by the way, congratulations, 400 episodes. That's that's no small feat. So that's that's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, like I told you before, because I'm I'm crazy, so it's five days a week. So yeah, that's, the, uh, that's how you get there. Yeah. In, that, in uh, under two years. That's awesome. Um, for sure. Well, hey, I, I, well, and I was asking about this platform because if you're doing audio only, I yeah. don't know if you have any issues with like sound and people's internets going out, but um, I, I've had on very rare occasion have I had uh, some audio issues. Um, there was a there was a very dark point in my life sometime last fall where a thunderstorm rolled through and I swear to you, lightning hit my freaking building and took out like my computer got zapped. And so I, I was freaking oh, out because that's what I do everything on. And so I had to use my laptop for yeah. a couple episodes and it's just, it's a good laptop, but it's just not built to record hour long audio. And I was struggling a bit. So I, I never want to deal with that again. But aside from internet or aside from that, I have not really had any terrible connectivity issues, thankfully. Interesting. And that, that's a good reminder. I mean, when I travel all the time, I was never home, so I use a laptop, and I have a decent laptop, but it's not great. It's just a Dell, yeah. uh, and I try to have it do too much. The first time I tried to do Facebook Lives last year during the pandemic, which yeah. I'd never done a live before, uh, I tried using OBS, and so OBS takes a lot of requirements. 
doing a live takes a lot of requirements and literally it would be me frozen in one position on the video with yeah. audio only for 15 minutes and i didn't even realize it until it was over oh I um, hate that. so terrible like it's so <laughs> terrible uh, so i stopped doing those lives yeah uh, and i use i use Streamyard. it's way better it's way simpler but yeah my uh i i i should get a desktop something that can just handle yeah like what i do to it so. yeah that's a good call and i i have considered moving to one of the cloud-based uh recording platforms there's my, my podcast host uh, red circle they've got a partnership with one of them and so i can get it at a discount but um that's nice. some point down the line for sure yeah yeah and i would recommend like if you go that route zencaster is one but then there's one recently that i've been seeing that i'm probably going to sign up with on my next the next time i record it's called riverside.fm okay. awesome um are you familiar with either one of those two i'm not i, I i'm not and i will put okay. both those in the show notes well I, no I'm, I'm i am sorry i'm i'm familiar with zencaster but not the riverside one yeah, so uh, Riverside does the same thing as Zencaster, and they both now have video. Riverside is better because it uh, will do 4K video for each nice. side, and it just comes out amazing. That's awesome. Um, but the benefit of those is it's recording on each person's local machine and That's then cool. up uploading. And so there's no internet bandwidth problems, like if it gets all choppy, um, because it's perfectly recorded on each person's computer. So That's when you awesome. put them together or when you replay it, it's perfect. It's Perfect. like you're sitting there with the person. So. That's awesome. I will, yeah, like I said, I will check both those out and I'll put both both of those in the show notes. I, show notes. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, hey, listen, I, I really appreciate you doing this. I appreciate <laughs> you writing your book and we'll certainly talk a lot about it. But I, you know, there there were a couple pages that I just I, I marked highlights in because they really resonated with me. And I, I shared one of those on Instagram that you, you commented on. I appreciate your story it's it's um it's it's a story that resonates with me and i'd like you to share uh, uh, some context behind it but you know one thing you said in your book is you talking about your path and how sometimes you you, you judge yourself based on your history and you can <laughs> even though it's probably made up in your own mind and I, I do the same thing you can when you tell somebody about you know where you've come from or where you've been you, you get that little that little twinge in their eye you think oh they're they're judging you because you you don't have all your shit together or you didn't at some point in time and i've been there i've been there so many times and so i if you can just give a little bit of context about your background and how you ended up where you are that'd be phenomenal yeah. So for me, the biggest thing is I did beat myself up for the longest time on my windy path. I mean, uh, I went to college, at UC Santa Cruz, got my bachelor's degree in marine biology, tagged sharks for uh, a few years there with a degree. And uh, while I was at, at college and then afterwards for a couple of years more with the group that I volunteered for. And, um, you know, I got a job at a restaurant in college. So I was waiting tables. And uh, with this degree, with lots of experience, I couldn't even get a job for $8 an hour scrubbing boats Jeez. for fish and game in the area. Um, so competitive, late 90s. Everyone wanted to be marine biologist. Everyone wanted to work at SeaWorld, right. training the dolphins, um, You know, playing with everything. And uh, literally couldn't get a job uh, scrubbing boats. Uh, for eight dollars an hour because they gave it to a master's student and i at the time it's interesting because i just thought about this the other day at the time i said i was burnt out and i didn't want to go to grad school right really what it was was that wasn't the path i picked something cool 
that I liked and I thought it would be fun because I liked aquariums and I liked sharks and I liked, you know, marine life and scuba diving, but wasn't really my calling or right. something I wanted to do. Uh, so I couldn't have fathomed wanting to go into a grad school program, like get a master's in anything, which is what it would take to keep moving in that field. Um, at the time I thought I was just burnt out of school, but that wasn't the case. It just wasn't in alignment. So I went from there, ended up moving to Seattle from California, worked at uh, Microsoft for a couple years as a, uh, in tech support as a contractor. I thought, Hey, I'm good with people. I figured out I'm, I'm pretty good with people, even though I didn't like people when I was uh, younger, uh, definitely a rough childhood yeah. with people. Um, you know, bullied and shy, awkward, only child. And uh, so I ended up, you know, I got a job at Microsoft and I thought, hey, this would be a great way to get into computers and take my problem solving and my people skills into the tech world and get my foot in the door. A couple of years of that realized I don't care about computers. I don't care about technology as much as I thought I did yeah. um, versus other people I worked with that were super passionate. They, you know, came in on Monday and they, all they could do is talk about their computer or their program or their stuff they were doing. And it was like, no, that's, uh, that's not what I was doing over the weekend. Like I literally don't care. Yeah. Um, and then uh, that ended and I ended up in my first, I'll call it sales role where I ended up in the mortgage business. And I, um, uh, you know, it was 2002, 27 years old, literally everyone wanted to buy a house or refinance. So it was super easy. It didn't take any sales. I, I realized like it may be considered a sales role, but I didn't learn anything about sales because you don't have to persuade anybody to do anything. Right. It was very much order taking. Um, and I did that for a few years and that didn't feel exciting. I didn't feel like I was doing anything useful, getting people into the largest amount of debt in their life. Well, for some people, they love that. They love helping people and, right. and helping people buy a house. I was like, this, I don't, it just, it didn't vibe for me either. And I went from there to helping people who were in foreclosure avoid losing their homes to foreclosure auction. Um, you know, like, hey, their house is going up to foreclosure next Friday at 10 a.m. They either figure something out and come up with a solution or the sheriff is coming, right, right to knock on the door and kick them out. Like literally what you see on TV uh, and read about. And um then that was a whole different game. That was about helping people get them out of their situations if you could. And that's where I learned sales and persuasion, which was, you know, some people's heads stuck in the sand. They're yeah. just in denial. And so I went from that to another career in sales, to another career in sales, <laughs> even left sales altogether, and then started working as a government contractor, as a civilian, but like doing deployments overseas, working with the military, just feeling like a lost leaf in the wind. Just right. literally no idea what the heck I was doing in life, um, you know, and, and kind of got me to where I am now. That's that's an amazing, amazingly varied background. And I, I love that. And I, I, want, I want to go back, all the way back to the beginning and just ask you a question because this, this is going to scratch my own itch. You know, you talk about in the 90s wanting to work for SeaWorld. And I, I feel like that's aged like, you know, like, like milk. Like yeah, did, did SeaWorld obviously has had its reputation tarnished over the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, what, what are your feelings on, you know, how that's, how that's come about uh, in the last uh, decade plus? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. For me, I was raised by parents who didn't like zoos. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe went to zoos as a kid in uh, for field trips, but never as a family. 
you know, my, my we we didn't. I'll tell you, like we didn't even watch Disney movies as a kid because something always died in Disney movies, especially in the eighties and nineties, right. right? Like think of Bambi and and every yes. other movie. Yes. Pixar is a little bit better. They'll usually kill somebody off, but it's pretty <laughs> subtle sometimes. Yeah. Um, but something always dies, right? In animal movies. So my mom was like, "We're not watching those. Like it makes me too sad." So like for me, we didn't go to zoos, so I didn't like that bar. I liked aquariums, yeah. but when you get to that where like that wasn't the path for me. Um. You know, my I wasn't trying to get a job at SeaWorld in any way. Right. Uh, maybe an aquarium. I did some stuff there. But as far as overall, I mean, I think it is tough. I mean, if you're rescuing animals that are in danger, like they're they're hurt, yeah. um, and you know, you're you're rehabilitating them, and then they get used to being in captivity, right? Zoo right. or uh, right. Uh, aquarium, whatever. Then that's one thing, right? If you're actively going out to catch them so you can fill tanks so that you can then fill seats that's a totally different thing so i know there's some like rehab centers that have animals that they can't return because those animals are now just reliant um that's to me that's a totally different thing and i'm not surprised that what's happened with sea world type environments with killer whales and public being aware of it and just you know, expose i mean i think that's one of the powers of the internet and yeah. and one of the good things that come from it is the transparency and the exposure of what happens around the world that people don't think about, right? Like that movie Blackfish. Yep. And you watch that and you're just like, I'm not supporting any of that stuff ever again. Like you just right. can't. Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, I agree with you. And I remember seeing that film and, and feeling that same outra outrage. But at the same time, there are two sides to every story. And I, I don't know the inner workings of SeaWorld. And they may very well have been, you know, taking in injured animals and, you know, nursing them back into health. And whether or not, you know, the, putting them on display in, in tiny tanks was, you know, actu in actuality what was happening, I don't know. But it is good to understand that there are differing, differing perspectives to every side of every story. It's interesting you talk about feeling burnt out and not wanting to go back to get a master's degree. And it sounds like, I don't know, it, to me, we tell ourselves lies, little lies to justify our actions or our inaction. And I, I can't tell you how many times I have told myself I'm not ready to do something because I don't have enough life experience or I don't have, I don't have this knowledge. How big of a role did that play when you were going through your various careers, trying to find something that was truly fulfilling to you. Oh yeah. That, that comparison to the outside world, which now, you know, the common label is the imposter syndrome Yeah, uh, where, you know, you, you look at others and then you compare yourself and you think, uh, why would anyone listen to me? Why, why do I have the right to do this or say this or put this out there? Yeah. Uh, whatever that might be. Um, yeah, I mean that that was huge. I, you know, I was helping people in foreclosure for a while. Even went to work for a startup company and stopped my own business. And we were doing it over the telephone. That's where I really learned how to sell. You want to you want to talk about sales? Help somebody who hasn't made a payment on their house for a while, and they're in foreclosure, and they want to they don't want to do anything. Yeah. And you have to do it all over the phone, right? You can't. I call it cheating. You can't cheat <laughs> face to face, right? And right. build trust and relationships. You got to do it over the phone, not video. Um. And so I started writing a book after that, like that experience when I was transitioning to something else. And I was writing this book and I probably got, you know, 40, 50 pages in. And I thought, who am I to write this book? Who's going to listen to me? I'm some guy with a marine biology that degree that did, you know, this thing with people in foreclosure for you know, five years, six years. Uh, why would anyone listen to me? So I stopped and I just threw it away. 
And, um, you know, I've done that a couple of times and I think that just pops up all the time. Um, and that's where the internet has made it even more difficult. And there's something I heard from, uh, uh, there's a guy, his name is pastor Stephen Furtick, uh, and he runs a, a church. Um, but he did this, um, he did this session about expectations and things like that. And whether you're religious or not, the message is huge and it stuck with me for the longest time is what you, what you got to be careful of and where this really hurts people is when you compare your behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels, which is what he would say, right? Like yes. when you're online and you're scrolling through, even if it's like LinkedIn, even if you're in business like yes. I am or like yeah. you are, right? We scroll through LinkedIn, you see what everyone else is posting online about how great their business is or how many clients they have or how many people they help or what they do. And then you're thinking about your behind the scenes and you're going, my life is a mess. I'm a hot mess. I don't have enough clients. Why am like blah, 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 like this reel inside your head. Um, and that's not fair. Right, yeah. because they're behind the scenes. Everyone's behind the scenes is just as messy. They're just better at posting and oh, publicity and pictures. And uh, I think that's the you know. And then it's realizing maybe you're not them, which is great because you're you. And then what message do you have that could resonate with somebody? Yeah. Not everybody, but somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you put a quote in your book, and Teddy Roosevelt is obviously a very. Um, he was a fascinating human being. And I had never heard this quote before. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I do read a lot of Ryan Holiday and he tends to quote Teddy Roosevelt quite often, but you had said, or you had quoted him saying, comparison is the thief of all joy. And that, that quote hit hard on me because it truly, truly is. And when we think about creating and creativity, you and I are obviously both in the podcast space. We, we like to create, we like to do things to scratch that itch. And when we look at other podcasts or you know even just larger podcasts that are getting uh, 10,000, 100,000, a million downloads a month, and you, or at least I'm speaking for myself, and I look at my numbers, I'm like, wow, I what am I doing wrong that I am not garnering the attention of these media outlets or these big name celebrities? And I have to reel that in every single day to reset my expectations because I know that what I'm doing for me is coming from a place of integrity. I'm not saying that other people are not doing the same thing, but I know that I'm doing this in a way that I feel good about. And I, I think there's a, a big difference. And you even highlight that significantly in, in your book, talking about different types of salespeople. I, I have to do this so it makes me feel good and not so I can monetize it and start making, you know, $5,000 an episode or whatever that number may be. And to me, that has been so yeah. incredibly important. And I think one of the big keys too, and this is what I've learned. And sometimes I actively look for it when that part of my brain kicks in and we can talk about where this all comes from. And I know yeah. you've talked about it with many guests on your show about the primal part of the brain and the fears and the survival side. But, you know, if we look at that Joe Rogan kind of example, right? So, a huge contract with uh, Spotify, mm -hmm. you know, most well-paid podcaster, plus everything else he has going on. Yeah. This dude has been at it for a long, so long time. This is the thing is we all do this. So I'll speak from my own mind as I see someone, I'm like, oh man, this just, this seems so easy for them. Like yeah. they, they're just crushing it. Um, and what you don't see is everything before, right? Like, um, you know, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think there's another one's, you know, I was an overnight success. It just took me, you know, 20 <laughs> years to get here. Um, yes. 
and and that's a case, right? Like I know Joe Rogan from when he was on the show called News Radio yeah. before he was doing Fear Factor, before he was doing all that other stuff. And I watched him on there a long time ago. We're talking like the 90s. Do you think of someone like him? Like he's been com- doing comedy performing yeah. for 30, 35 years. Um, yeah, it's easy to look at that and go, man, he gets – 100 million downloads or 100 million views a a YouTube episode or right. whatever he might get. But he's been grinding it for a long time. And one of the things I like to do is if there's somebody on YouTube I'm following or someone has a podcast that's like just this big numbers, I always love to go watch their first episodes. I go all the way back, right? Yeah. And I try to go back as far as I can to find it. Or someone on Instagram with tons of followers, scroll back and find their, and not just like I want to diminish what they're right. doing, but I want to set the right framework, which is, you know, the other quote is every master started as a disaster, right? Like they, everybody starts out and it's not great. What you see now is the greatness, but it yeah. took a long, it's that Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours yeah. or more for what you see. And the problem is we then compare, I'm not great. I'm not a master, right? Like I'm not at that level. Um, but you're comparing your journey to their current place on their journey. Yeah. That's so important. I, thinking about i you know so the mosaic life podcast this is my second go around with podcasting so even even though i know our first episode here probably wasn't that bad i i did it it makes me i don't know if cringe is the right word but i don't like thinking about going back (laughs) to where i was a year and a half ago and that's not just even in the podcast world you know i i in my 20s i'm not necessarily ashamed but not necessarily proud of, you know, who I was back then. I, 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 I was just having this conversation. I, I used to think I was the best at everything that I, that I did. I just, I, I thought I could write, you know, this, this beautiful blog post and, you know, get it published in front of uh, millions. And I just, I was not, I was not that good. And I didn't have that notoriety, that recognition, but in me, in my mind, in my ego, I thought, I thought that was it. And so, yeah, I, when I think about going back and, uh, I think I get this this weird fear that I'm going to regress into who I used to be if I if I revisit my old work, which is so silly and it's such a, a mind trick that I, I need to to overcome. And I don't know, ego has played such a huge part in in my my development and my and actually my hin- the hindrance of my development prior to what, no, actually knowing what it was. And I know you talk a little bit about in your book as well. I mean, what role has ego played in, in your life, uh, either for the the benefit or the detriment? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, luckily, and I don't know, maybe this is my ego saying this, but I don't feel like I have much of an ego. Um, I've I've never been. I generally haven't been overly um, confident to my, what I would think is my own detriment. Right. Um, I don't like, you know, I I haven't always liked feedback. I don't always like, you know, someone listening to a meeting or a call or, you know, back in the day in sales and then telling me what I did, you know, could have done better or didn't do well. Um, But I, I feel like the, the overconfident, you know, destructive ego was never really my, never really my side. Um, uh, and it's the more confident I've gotten, the older and more experienced I've gotten in various, you know, areas, yeah. then I have this confidence and that ego, but then also always open to learning more and uncovering more things. Um, 
where I see it the most and, and what really was pointing out in the book is, you know, see that salesperson, yeah. that person who's in sales and they have this ego, which is just protecting them. Kind of like what you were talking about, where they don't want feedback. They think they know it all. They don't need your system. They don't yes. need your training. They don't need any of this. Just let me do what I do because I'm the greatest at it. It's like, well, but either A, you're not the greatest at it because the numbers show you're not the greatest or yeah. even the greatest. And this is what you see a lot in really top performers, the really greats like Tiger Woods at his peak, I was reported to have seven different coaches. Yeah. So he had this confidence. He had this ego that, hey, on the golf course, I am the best and I'm going to rock. And it takes a village. Like I know I, I need a lot of help to get there. And yeah. it's that balance, I think, is the key uh, in that fine line with our primitive primal brain that just doesn't understand the current world. God, absolutely. Absolutely. I um not unlike, you know, many others, I um I, I had my fair share of sales roles uh in my career development. And I remember I remember consultants coming in to 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 give training, to to give feedback on our processes, to give feedback on our performance, our our, our calls. And I, I I was always the type of person where I didn't want to know what I was doing wrong. I wanted to know what I was doing well. It was that that coddling that I, I think is probably a, a part of my generation. Um, <laughs> and I just I, I never I just I never wanted to to take the feedback from other people who were obviously experts in their field because they were hired to come in and give us valuable training to so we could so we could do better. It wasn't like it wasn't like you were uh, you know a consultant was coming in so they could say hey you're doing terrible and you're we're gonna just let you go. Uh, that's I, I don't think that was the case. But I just I never wanted to hear that. How how often I mean when you when you go into companies to help them improve. You know, improve their sales, improve the sales people behind those phones or behind those those calls. Do you get pushback from those individual uh, reps? Um, it it's tough to put a number or a percentage or a frequency on it. It happens all the time. Yeah. Um, generally, what happens, and and the scenario that's also true is. I am being brought in by somebody at the top, either the very top, the founder, the CEO, or someone near the top, you know, a VP of something uh, where they want to bring me in and they have the ability to do that. Part of this before even stepping into the role or doing training or working on processes, there's generally some level of analysis done. I'll start with a gap analysis. I'll look at everything. By the time I'm actually engaging with the team, I already know who's doing well, right. who wants to do well, and who is in that ego bucket kind of we're talking about yeah. that, like, leave me alone and just let me do my thing. Yeah. Um, so it's more of the fact that I'm actually aware of it when I get into that room or now virtual. And so I already know what everyone's attitudes are and, you know, what's available. Um, I also, you know, I focus on the fact that you know, my job isn't to change somebody's mind and help them realize they w want help or they could get more feedback or learn something new. Right. If they don't want it, they don't want it. Um, and then they just have to be really good in order to keep their job if they're turning this down. So as far as percentage wise goes, it also depends on the organization. Some organizations, you know, they, they, they are good at not uh, hiring that person or they don't attract that kind of person and it's really not an issue. Yeah. Um, but I do have some clients, you know, like in, in retail where you have the, the mix, you have the, the, the newer people in retail sales, usually younger, they don't know what they're doing. They're an open sponge. And then you have the salty veterans, <laughs> uh, you know, imagine, imagine a, a furniture store with the, uh, you know, button up 
yes. short sleeve shirt <laughs> with a tie, uh, yeah. you know, old school salesperson that, you know, thinks they've been around the blocks. They don't need that advice. Uh, and it's fine. I, yeah. you know, I, I just want to help the people who want help is that's, what I focus on. That's great. You know, when I, when I finally left the corporate corporate world and I decided to go off on my own. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I don't have to do sales anymore. I don't have to, I don't do my own market. Obviously that is not the case. When you, when you work for yourself, <laughs> you're selling all of the time, but I can tell you, and I'm curious if you can give me the actual, you know, uh, how this generally works and, you know, uh, it's, it's exclusively sales type job. I can tell you that the relationships that I've built since starting my own business have had the most profound impact on my success. And you, I, I, I love being able to do this. I, I love being able to quote your book. I'm, I'm quoting you quoting other people, but you quote Zig Ziglar and saying that um, you will get all you want in life when you help enough other people. And I, that's, 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 that's very much been my experience. And I do my absolute best to say, Hey, how can I, how can I better serve you when I, when I meet somebody, what can I do to help you without the expectation of reciprocity? I, I really want to see other people succeed and excel in what they're doing, because I know that's going to bring them joy. And obviously the, the, the idea of this podcast is to explore what happiness means to other people. And that it's so hard to define that because it's not one singular definition. And so I like helping other people grow. And in turn, that has helped my business grow. And that's been so important to me. Now, my my sales cycle isn't necessarily or generally just one call and you know hey i i need a new website cool let's do this it's a consultative process where i figure out what exactly their needs are before we can even get to a price point and say hey let's go ahead and move forward and that's obviously not the case for all sales roles so how important are relationships generally speaking when it comes to the people you work with yeah so to me um it's really a mindset shift. I mean, some of it's going to be about sales cycle and sales process and, you know, how, how much relationships play in that, right? Like if yeah. you're, if you work in an electronic store and somebody comes in and you're going to help them make that purchase that day or come back next week and make a purchase, obviously that's short term. Right. Outside of some really short one and done sales cycles where you'll never talk to somebody again, like you, you know, you, you sell door to door, you knock on a door, you're never going to be in that net, that neighborhood or that state ever again. Right. And then you're just done outside of that. To me, it's all about relationships. Even going back to that furniture store example, like that person's going to buy furniture and yeah. they're going to want other furniture, or they may not be ready today because they're buying a house next year. They're going to remember you. Um, and for me, it's all about relationships. And that quote that you read by Zig Ziglar, that's like, if I had a motto or a credo, like <laughs> that would be it because yeah. that's what I focus on. And the shift, and this is where salespeople in an organization uh, struggle and even solopreneurs, business owners who, you know, are living and dying by their sales, by their revenue. The challenge is, is that relationship strategies and using that quote and helping other people get what they want in order to get what you want eventually long-term at some point in your life. The problem with that is that that's a farming strategy, not a hunting strategy. And yeah. it takes an abundance mindset and a planning mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. Most people are in sales roles and they need to be paid next week. They've got rent due. They've got a mortgage. They've got a car payment. They've got bills. They've got a vacation they want to take. And so they need something now. And the challenge is 
that's who we've all experienced as a customer, which is why most people don't like sales and are are hesitant to even go into sales. Yeah. Or like I see, they fall into sales like I did, and then they have this impression, and then they become terrible salespeople. Who that's who I wrote the book for. They become order takers because they think sales is that pushy, manipulative, maybe cheesy, over-the-top salesperson who's trying to get the sale now, right? Like, what is it going to take for you to buy this car today instead of walking off the lot yeah. kind of a thing, yeah. right? And yes, that works. And sometimes that's what's necessary to get someone to buy. But most of the time, it feels gross. Um, and it's not something that anyone enjoys. And it becomes a numbers game. And so the problem is that's from a scarcity side, which is if right. you walk off this lot and you don't buy from me, I don't know how who I'm going to sell a car to again, so I got to make the most of this or else. Versus if you walk off the lot and I did my job and we form some kind of relationship, you'll be back yeah. or you'll tell your friends and family even if you don't buy from me and I'm going to play the long game. The problem, again, this is where the shift is. It takes abundance. Okay, yes, there's 7 billion people on the planet, so I should be able to find somebody who can buy when the time is right. And it takes farming. And farming is you plant a seed. I, I feel like you might have just said this on one of your podcasts recently, too. It came out. I mean, you don't plant a seed and then expect apples that afternoon, right? right? Like that's not how that works. And so, you know, if you've ever had an apple seed turn into a tree with fruit, it takes a long time. Yeah. And that's watering. It's nurturing. It's protecting it. Ver, uh, away from pests and the environment and then you know making sure it grows and taking care of it takes a long time when it happens when you're a farmer and that farm is going at full speed then it's easy then you just walk off your porch and you go get what you want to eat for the day and you're set yeah. um, but it takes a long time to get there and i think that's the biggest challenge is people are just impatient they're worried uh, I, what i also see most people don't know if they're going to be in sales in six months they right. got a sales job they're in that sales role um, that that's great, Jason and Trey. You want me to build relationships? I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in six months for my farm to pop out apples because right. I'm. It's going to be a hard winter. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's. I'm sure you have a very unique perspective. Obviously, you're uh, you're, you're exceptionally good at sales. I mean, you you, you help people become better salespeople. Um, and so you, I'm sure you have a unique perspective as a consumer as well. And, you know, when you talk about farming, I'm just, I'm thinking about a recent experience that I had. I, I recently bought a new car and I, I, I knew, I knew ahead of time I wanted a Subaru. And if, if for one reason above all else, it was because of the culture that you, you you get looked at a certain way when you have a Subaru. Oh, this guy likes the outdoors. He likes to go camping. He likes to go rock climbing, mountain biking, which I do. I love doing all those things. It it breeds this this idea of not exclusivity. It's not an Audi. It's not a BMW. But it just it breeds this this mentality of we're all together. We get to do things together. And so I think Subaru has done a really great job of building that into their culture. And when I when I went to to look at cars, I, I felt that. You know, I I, I talked with a guy that's probably ten years younger than me and he I ended up, you know, buying a, a car from him and he was just extremely helpful. And so I have to imagine a lot of time, you know, that is that comes from the top down. I mean if you have if you have terrible management without, you know, and you, as a salesperson, you feel like you're not going to be, you, you might not have a job in three weeks, then that probably affects the way you approach 
new customers versus, you know, if you have a, a company that really, really takes care of, at the very least, their customers. I don't know how well they treat their employees, but, you know, they, they have that really good, feel-good brand. Yeah, and and it's interesting because a couple of things. One one using that Subaru example, which I've had a Subaru in the past. Uh, I'm very familiar with their brand. When I was working on my MBA, one of my uh, project papers I did was on Subaru from the top down, their their corporate ownership to yeah. you know their brand that they have. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about them is they're not trying to be everything to everybody. Right. They've they've really drawn a line in the sand that said here's. Who's our, here's who our main focus is. Now, anybody could buy a Subaru, but they're saying, this is who we target. This is who we focus. This is the culture. This is the people who we actively love as a part of our brand and the events that we sponsor and the things that we stand for. And we're also not this, right? We're not Mercedes. Yeah. We're not BMW. We're, we're not those other you know players. We are who we are, and they stick in that lane, um, which is great. And then to your point, yeah, I mean, always like leadership comes uh, like the way the team goes is the way the leader goes so everything that within the company culture with the way that the people sell it comes from the top down and what's interesting for me as you said like my experience as a customer especially everything that i know especially in leadership and businesses and you see a lot of businesses and what you do with with your website uh, design and hosting and, and all the various things that you do is as a customer if I interact with a brand with salespeople uh, a couple of times and I, you can get the sense of the, getting the same experience, good or bad, I, that will tell you how the company is run. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, you might think, okay, well, that salesperson is just bad, but they're going to treat me well as a customer. It's generally the, the you know, company should treat their employees like their customers yes. or better because yeah. their employees are then ambassadors to the customers. And so many times I have seen companies where as a customer, the experience is going to be terrible. The salespeople are, are, are terrible at providing a good experience or selling or being open and honest and authentic and uh, truthful with everything. And it's so interesting when you stand back and look at it and go, okay, I, I, I know all I need to know about that company and yeah. their leadership from this experience on the front line. Yeah. So what do you personally do when you, uh, let's just continue with the, the car analogy, and you walk in to buy a new car and the, the, the salesmanship is, is horrible? I mean, do you do you say, nope, going to walk away, going to go somewhere else? Or do you say, hey, this is a lead for me. Oh, yeah. Can I talk to your manager? Let's, let's, let's set this up. Let me consult <laughs> with you guys. So uh, I don't do enough of that uh, shopping experience to do that in a lead generation fashion. Yeah. Uh, however, that would be good. Uh, generally, when I do that, I'm I'm out the door super quick. <laughs> I I have, I have I have like an amazingly zero tolerance for yeah. bad service and bad sales. I mean, I waited tables for four and a half years. Right. I know what it's like when you're busy and out of control and you've just you've got too many things going on you got too many tables and and i know that when i you know sit down i can tell when it's it's chaos but they're trying i can also tell when somebody's just really bad at it or doesn't care and i have zero tolerance for it like i just don't um i you know i will happily just walk out of a restaurant after sitting down um because it's just it's not worth it to me and i don't want to support it um uh, same thing with the car dealership or anything like that. And I, I could do more of that. What you're talking about was go into those retail brands and, uh, you know, but here's the challenge and here's the, the difficult thing. And this is kind of the cold calling versus inbound kind of strategy right. and the relationship stuff we've been talking about is 
if the salesperson's bad and a couple of salespeople are at that at that dealership or that retail store or whatever it is, right? Not just to pick on cars, yeah. but if they're bad, right? And we'll just all agree like what good or what bad as an experience, as a buying experience would feel like yeah. uh, to each of us is if that's bad, it's coming from somewhere. It's either coming from somewhere that's like encouraging that or it's coming from somewhere that's just um, hands off and allowing right. that to happen. In my experience, if I were to go to that manager or I go up the chain, they don't necessarily care. They're not open to change because yeah. they think what they're doing is probably the best way. For me to walk in and go, hey, where's the manager? Hey, these people need some training. I think you should hire me to give some training. The, the, the standard response, at least so far that I've ever seen is, no, we're good. We don't yeah. need any help. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, versus somebody who says, I need help. And that's why it's funny if we look at the 12 steps, right, for, uh, you know, addictions yeah. and things like that. The first step is admitting you have a problem. Right. Right. And it's tough to walk into a store and say, you have a problem. They go, hey, you know what? You're right. We've got a problem. Here's a pile of money. Please help us. Yeah. I, yeah, I will say I have not had great experiences walking into a restaurant, for example, and saying, hey, your website sucks. Lucky, luckily, fortunately for you, I'm a web designer. I can rebuild your site. That's it's, yeah. a, very, it's a very touchy subject because it, it very, <laughs> it's very likely that they build it themselves. That manager built that website on Wix and they thought it was the best they could do. And hey, it's working for us. And so you really, it, they, it hurts their ego. Um, you know, tr trying to sound nice about it. It hurts their ego when you say, hey, this could be improved. And it's it's a very sensitive subject. And and then it goes back to that conversation we were having about egos, where that ego is just protecting. The ego, the ego is doing a marvelous job for all of us humans by trying to keep us safe yeah. long enough to uh, procreate, yeah. right? And yes. pass on our genes. That's really all it's trying to do. It doesn't understand that there's not a whole bunch of things trying to kill us at every moment. And there's really no reason to be worried right. about getting kicked out of the tribe of humans, which is what it's been worried about for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, but yeah, to you know, when I first started consulting and I was building my network, I was like, you know, it would be great sales managers. Sales managers always need help. They're gonna want their teams to win. And I started talking and networking to sales managers and they think they're doing a great job. No matter how terrible the team is doing or the turnover or the closing rate, most sales managers I approach just like, nope, nope, right. we're good. Nope. I, I like my job is to be the sales manager. If I admit that I need your help, it means I'm a yeah. failure as a yes. sales manager and potentially a human. Yeah. And so, no, I'm not going to admit that. Yeah. That, that, that makes perfect sense. I've been in marketing roles where, you know, we, uh, a company I worked for bring in marketing consultants. And I, even though the owners, I think probably had the best of intentions to help the business continue growing and help continuing to educate me, I felt threatened. I, it's, it's just, it's, it's a part of us. And I, I, that the feeling is very real and I, I, I can relate. Well, and then there's my role as a consultant. So one of the things I'm always careful to help organizations explain when they hire me and bring me in yeah. is that I'm not the Bobs from office space, right? Like my job <laughs> isn't to be an efficiency expert, yeah. figure out what people do and cut as many people as possible, right? Like, no, I, and this is what I tell everyone is when I'm brought into an organization, I'm always, every single time so far, and this trend will always continue because this is my focus, is I am always brought in as the bringer of hope. Yeah. My goal is to figure out what do we have who's on the team, what systems need to be built, because it's usually not a people problem, it's more of a systems and a process and a support and a leadership 
uh, deficiency. Yeah. So how do we build all that so that everyone has the tools to win? And if they're still not winning, that's a different conversation. But at first, if there's a team that's not winning and the systems aren't in place and they haven't been trained and they haven't been coached, right? Like think of, think of the movie Mighty Ducks, yes. right? Like those kids in the beginning of the movie, it's not their fault they suck. They had right. no coach. They're just trying to figure it out, right? right? Once you have a good coach, once you have a good system, if you're still not cutting it, that's on you. But I look at it and I'm brought in to be, okay, let's make you a team. Let's help you win. Um, but again, that's hard for people to, you know, for me to get across. And we, you know, always have to make sure I explain it really well because people see me come in and they're like, uh-oh, here, here comes the ax man. Yeah. Uh, everyone's in trouble. Everything's going to change. Oh, this is going to be terrible. It's like, no, no, like I, I want to fill in the gaps because um, otherwise the ego, same thing with your marketing consultant. Yeah. It's like people are just like, nope. And they, they get really entrenched in their stories. Yeah. And, you know, where they're at. For sure. I've got to give you props because you, you, two deep cuts right there with the, the office space that I have not watched that movie in so long, <laughs> but it's so good. I'm wondering if anybody listening to this hopefully have, have seen it before. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. I love that movie. Um, and I, I, I started watching Scrubs probably 10 years after the first time I saw him. Like, oh, Dr. Cox was in office space. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> And then uh, the Mighty Ducks, obviously, that's a classic. They are actually, they're, they're making a new Mighty Ducks with Emilio Estevez uh, for the Disney Plus uh, network, which is, we'll that's see awesome. how that goes. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I, somehow, Jason, it's already been an hour, so I really appreciate your time. Um, before we wrap up, I want to ask you a few last questions here. First of which, you know, obviously very heavy into networking. Yeah. You, you love connecting with people, which I, I very much appreciate. I, I do my best to emulate that. You know, if, if there's somebody listening across the globe who feels like they could lend resources to you or just, you know, help you continue growing, what, what would that be that you're looking for to say, Hey, this can take me to the next level. Um, so for people supporting me, yeah, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest thing would be to, uh, anybody or any way to share the book. So the book is Selling with Authentic Persuasion. And then the subtitle, which usually hits home well, is uh, Transform from Order Taker to Quota Breaker, um, is, is getting that in more people's hands, um, not from a sales standpoint, but just from a shifting it. Right. Like really my mission and my focus is empowering over a million people to become authentic persuaders. And that doesn't mean they have to be great salespeople. It means they're just selling in a way that's different, more relational, more problem solving, consultative, uh, and shifting it. So we don't, you know, get away from that terrible experience everybody is worried about when they right. go to the car dealership or the store or they call in uh, and they talk to somebody over the phone. Um, where we all do it. We all dislike working with salespeople. I'm the same way. And uh, I would love to shift that. So anybody, any, you know, get the book in more people's hands, companies that could use it as a book club resource for their sales teams, um, you know, just start making that ripple effect in the pond with the book. Excellent. And I will, of course, have the link to the book uh, in the show notes. Um, but speaking of books, they've had a tremendous impact on my life and probably shape the way this podcast has evolved over the last year and a half. And so I always like to ask if there's one book that you can credit with having such a profound impact in your life that has really guided you on this, on this path that you're on, uh, what would that book be and, and why? 
That's a that's a tough one because I feel like there's been a lot of influential ones just over time guiding and changing. You know, when it comes to business, the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber was just fundamental, foundational, uh, you know, why small businesses fail. I'll tell you, we'll just look at recently. Yeah. One of the biggest things that has hit me is a book I can't stop recommending uh, in the last six months is called The Road Less Stupid Okay. Uh, okay. by Cunningham. Uh, they grab it off the shelf. Uh, Keith Cunningham. I always forget his first name. So The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And just a little backstory for me. I'm not a big fan of the books that have to be controversial in the title, have to right. swear in the title uh, to get your attention. Like it's not my, that's the opposite of what I am um, yeah. uh, drawn to. Yeah. Um, somebody referred this to me. It's really about thinking. And I'll give you the biggest line that I got from this book so Please. people can understand it and why it was so impactful. There's one thing that stuck with me for six months. It's become my new mantra. Start less things, yes. finish more things. Yes. I love that. Like that was huge. I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, jaw dropped. I was like, right. holy crap. And so um, the the subtitle of the book is avoid the dumb mistakes that sabotage growth, profits, and business success. And whether you have a company or not, uh, it's huge for resetting your mind around what the things we do that just are, that cause us to be stupid. And I don't mean like intellectual, right. I just mean like the actions we take. That's fantastic. That's uh that's a great message. And actually that leads me to my last question. That's it's a, a rather new question. And so I know I'm kind of, kind of putting you on the spot here, but if you have one call to action, a personal call to action for anybody listening, what would you say that is? You know, the biggest thing that I have found for myself and what I try to instill in others, whether it's sales or anything else, is self-awareness. Yeah. Um, and then also just giving yourself the latitude for what you've done in your life yeah. and the value it has. A lot of times we beat ourselves up over our mistakes, our faults, things we screwed up, and uh, we're just not very kind to ourselves. So being kind to yourself and realizing it all happens for a reason, yes. but the self-awareness, what do you like? What do you not like? Um, what value do you have for other people and live your life instead of worrying about doing what you think other people want you to do? Yeah. Um, just, you know, play your game. Comparison is the thief of joy. I love it. There you go. I love it. Jason, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do so? So if they're online, the single best way is to go to jasoncutter.com. So that's a hub for everything I have going on from the book to the podcast, uh, to consulting, to coaching, to LinkedIn. It just go right there. Um, you can also email me, jason at cutterconsultinggroup.com. Or when in doubt, if you just forget all of that, uh, I am the number one ranked Jason Cutter on Google. So just Google me there and uh, you'll find me. That's fantastic. All right, I'm, 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 go I'm gonna Google you. And if you're not the first one to pop up, we're gonna have, we're gonna have some problems oh shoot i gotta check <laughs> i i took me a couple of years to get my seo right to yeah. get to the number one spot uh, i should still be there good well jason again thank you so incredibly much for doing this i really appreciate it and i look forward to seeing you again virtually very soon who knows where who knows when but i'm sure it's going to happen appreciate that thanks trey yep thank you one more time i would like to extend a huge thank you to jason for joining me on the podcast 
It's always a pleasure getting to know someone whose name you hear over and over and over again in your own circles, and then having their reputation backed up by having a personal conversation with them. I highly encourage you to check out the show notes for this episode in your podcast players or at the mosaiclifepodcast.com. They are certainly extensive and all of the resources that Jason and I mentioned are linked in there. And of course, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I can't express to you how much it means to me. My goal is to continue providing the highest value content for you so you can continue building and doing better in your own lives. If you would ever like to reach out and share your thoughts, your experiences with the podcast, please don't hesitate to go to the mosaiclifepodcast.com and click contact in the top right hand corner. I love hearing from people who have gotten value from the podcast. If you would like more content from the Mosaic Life podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. That's with a K, two Fs, and one N. You can find that link on the website as well. You can also find the Mosaic Life podcast on Facebook. Just search for the Mosaic Life podcast. Last but not least, if you would like to show your support for the podcast, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others, just like yourselves, discover the content created here. Thank you all again so incredibly much for listening. I appreciate you. I value your time. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.